I remember reading an article once about like a day in the life of this entrepreneur who had a small toddler. And like, literally it was like, I wake up at 5am and make my own kombucha. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't <laughs> no, do that. <laughs> you pick peanut butter out of somebody's hair. Like you do, this is your, what your life is. Everybody in varying degrees has struggled, has had challenges and has triumphs. And when we share the whole authentic truth, that's what makes a difference. Not pretending like women are perfection and putting them on a pedestal. I always say shine a spotlight, don't build a pedestal. Because mm. shine a spotlight says we are highlighting the authentic real stories of women, not pretending this woman is Wonder Woman. And therefore, anyone who's not a superhero reading it goes, oh, well, she did it, but I can't do it. Stories should make you believe that you can do it too. And that's mm. that's the kind of stories I want to tell. Welcome to the Juicy CEO Podcast. Listen, it's time to give you some hard truths. So sit up and pay attention. If you don't know how to stand out online today, you have already lost. In order to create credibility, influence, and real staying power, you have to build a personal brand with some juice. So join me, personal brand strategist, coach, and breast cancer survivor, Monique Bryan, each Wednesday morning as I teach you all the tips and tricks I use to build my six-figure brand while in remission. It's time for you to get to that juicy CEO status by learning from some badass women in business who've been where you are, showing you that juicy CEOs are made, not born. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to get into the juice. Welcome our next guest to the juicy CEO stage. As co-CEO of Women of Influence, Stefania leads one of North America's largest organizations dedicated to gender equality and women's advancement in the workplace. Since taking the helm in 2015, she has served a diverse and growing community from across Canada, the U.S., and beyond. As head of Women of Influence's media efforts, she and her team have built a platform that is by, for, and about women, offering inspiration, insights, and perspectives on key issues. Through this work, she is able to dedicate her time to her passion using storytelling to drive change. She has an extensive background in marketing and advertising and is a sought-after speaker. And when she isn't helping women grow their voice, she's running after two toddlers who like to join in every single video call. <laughs> Welcome, Stefania. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm so happy that we can have this conversation because you and I have conversations offline at different parts of this crazy pandemic, you yes. know, and last time I spoke to you, you were so lit up and I felt like so ready for the next thing. I was like, what's going on with her? I was like, <laughs> and then you told me all this stuff and I was like, you know what? You need to just come on the juicy CEO stage. So happy to be here. Yeah. I'm so happy to have you. So like first things first, because we just went on lockdown number, I'm going to say number 352. How are you doing? How are you holding up over there? You know, I, I it's funny because I get asked that question a lot and it's so hard to know. I mean, day by day, different. the answer is sometimes different. I mean, I usually say, you know, I'm, I'm counting my blessings. I definitely feel, I mean, I feel lucky that I can work from home. I feel lucky that my kids daycare hasn't shut down yet. So we won't get Ooh, interrupted lucky. on this, but who, who knows what will, who knows what tomorrow brings. So I, I just try my best to kind of 
stay positive, but also recognize that this is hard. And if I'm not churning out work the way that I used to, I've, I've had to learn, and this pandemic has taught me this, just how to forgive myself quickly and often and try and do my best. And that's, that's all you can really ask for, I think, these days. A hundred percent. And just like having that grace with yourself. And sometimes yeah. it's so hard. It's like sometimes we need someone outside of us to say, hey, everybody, it's hard. It's okay to say that like, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. Yeah. So I love that you're being completely transparent with that. But I really like talked Women of Influence is always has always been such a fascinating organization to me. And for people who don't know it, talk to me about one, how you came to be in this role. And then we'll talk about like what it is and who should be I mean, everyone should be taking a look, but who should yeah. who this really benefits? Yeah, so it's the origin story for for me and and Women of Influence is interesting because the organization itself has been around for 27 years. And oh, wow. uh, I am not that old. Well, I am I'm above 27, but not old enough to have started this business. So there's been sort of several kind of leadership, you know, the stewardship of the brand has changed. And when I first came to Women of Influence, it was actually as a freelancer. I was brought in to help finish one issue of the magazine. And, and my mind was get in, get out, you know, three months, go on my merry way and and once I started and working on this, this one issue, I suddenly had this sort of awareness of, of problems that had never really for me as someone who always had women bosses mostly or me who too. had been an entrepreneur. I hadn't felt the impact or, or sort of overt impact of gender equality. Certainly not enough that it was brought to the forefront of my mind. So it kind of opened my mind up to this world. And then interviewing these amazing women who had, you know, made it through despite the roadblocks, I was just feeling very inspired. So at the end of the issue, I basically said, I don't want to leave. And very fortunately, they, the CEO at the time agreed that I could stay on. So I worked freelance for a couple of months, came on full time. And I think I'd been working full time for about a month when I got called into the office with my current partner. And basically the conversation was, Hey, do you want to take over women of influence? <laughs> Who gets that? Who yeah. gets that, that, that conversation? It's like, Oh, you've done such great work. By the way, do you want to take yeah. over? <laughs> yeah. Do you want this? And it's funny because I had my partner, I had been to maybe two meetings with her. Like when I was working on the magazine, it was very like head down, churn it out. I wasn't interacting a ton with the other people sort of in the office. I wasn't even in the office all the time. I had not been to an event yet. At the time, Women of Influence was really known for its events. And by virtue of the timing that I'd been there, I had not been to one event yet. My first reaction, like literally gut first reaction was yes. Oh my God. Yes. I absolutely want to do this. Like not a moment of hesitation because I think I, even though I'd only worked there sort of full time for a few weeks, thinking about how women of influence could be bigger and better and reaching more women and telling more stories and doing more of the great work it was doing. So my mind had already been going a hundred miles a minute. And, and when she said, do you want to take over? I was ready to jump in. My partner who had been there for two and a half years took a little more convincing. <laughs> she, she wasn't, she'd never been an entrepreneur before. So I had to sort of pull her aside and be like, yes, we can do this. Gave her the pep talk. 
it's hard to believe it's been six years since then. That's so interesting then, because like, talk to me about that transition of leadership, right? Like having to only worry about, you know, yourself and your business and coming in and moving into one business and then another, whatever you feel like it. And then now you're about to be responsible for the brand, the business, the team, the strategy, the move forward, that must have taken like your gut said, yes, let's do this, which is amazing because you know yeah. yourself. But what did what did that maybe maybe you didn't know what was going to happen? I certainly had a sense it would be different. I had been I mean, I had been a freelancer for about six years at the time. Before that, I had been a part owner of an entrepreneurial venture. I'd helped one grow, but not in the leadership shoes. I was sort of, you know, second in command. And so this I knew would be a very new experience for me. I think I'm the kind of person, or at least I'd reached a point of that age where I said, I know there's a lot that I don't know, but I trust in myself that I can learn. And I mm. think that is something that I, I tell so many women that like, yeah, it's okay that you don't get it all right now. Most people don't. I've learned this, especially after I've interviewed so many women in leadership positions. Most people have no idea, but they trust that they can figure it out. So I kind of had that going for me. How it went, I mean, it was certainly a shock to the system. I mean, I didn't realize certainly taking over such like a juggernaut of a brand would actually entail. And there's there was a lot in the first few years of just sort of understanding what was going on behind the scenes and trying to implement new ideas and new policies. And it's like turning the steamership. You know, you can't just crank the wheel. You got to sort of slowly Whoa, start yeah, moving it in that, yeah, in that direction. So that was definitely a different experience for me. And then personally, I was going through a period of a lot of change too. The the night before I said, yes, I want to do this, I found out I was pregnant with my first child. My goodness. And your and, mind exploded. Yeah, my mind exploded. Now, to add to that, I had just gotten married like a month before that. I got basically it was the honeymoon pregnancy and, and I'd started dating my husband. Not like I it was a, we had a quick, quick sort of love story and engagement. So <laughs> I went from at the start of the year, basically being someone who was footloose, fancy free, freelancer. Literally, I had in the last six years, I think I'd lived in like 10 countries. I would just sort of say, wow. I'm going to go see what Spain is like. And I would go move to Spain. And then suddenly I got married. I got pregnant, had a business. Like I got rocket launched into a completely different life. So it was, it was a period of a lot of change and it, it definitely, I mean, it took adjustment. There was, you know, there was the kinks you gotta, you gotta work out, but it's been such an incredible journey. I mean, I wouldn't give it up for a second. Goodness. That's huge in such a short period of time. And that just shows, right? Like our whole world, I mean, where we are in the world shows that overnight, you know, within months, your entire life could look different. Oh, yes, you know, absolutely. And you kind of just like grabbed the reins and was like, I'm going to figure, you know, grow my wings on the way down and just jump. And I love that. I love that about you. And I think that just makes where you are in that business and you taking over at Women of Influence so fitting because you're out. I see you advocating for women to tell their stories and that takes courage on their part. It takes a lot. And I'd love for you to share just like how Women of Influence does that and 
what should we all be doing? Like, why should we all be scrambling to go there to help, <laughs> to help yeah, each other and, out? And that, so I've always viewed Women of Influence as, you know, it's a community and a platform. And I, I've always thought the bigger I can make the platform, the louder I can sort of make the megaphone mm. that I am passing around to every other woman who needs to have their voice heard. I have never wanted to tell someone else's story. I've always wanted to create a platform for others to share their own story, to share their own expertise, to share their own lived experience if they want it. For me, I I have a lot of thoughts on storytelling and I think there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. One of the wrong ways is that I think in today's world, we've almost like commoditized trauma and we act mm-hmm. as if everyone owes us their story and no one does. Mm-hmm. Nobody has to tell their story if they don't want to. But if someone wants to tell their story, I want to give them the platform to be able to do that in their own words, in the way they want to do it. And that's how I sort of see women of influence. It's an opportunity for women to tell their story in their own words as we grow this community, you know, suddenly women who don't necessarily have a voice, or at least a voice that reaches sort of beyond their own little circle can reach a much bigger, a much bigger community of people. That is so perfect, because the people telling your story has become such it's such a buzzword, right? Like, it's like, tell your story, and your story is your brand, and, your, and I'm all about story. And there's, yeah. like you said, there's right ways and wrong ways to get it done. But what has been some of like your experience, whether with women of influence or otherwise, with other people hearing other people's stories and the impact it made on their own lives? Because that is really the power of the story. Yeah. And that I don't think we give enough credit. I mean, even when I first started at Women of Influence, I had people come out and say to me, well, Woy doesn't actually do, that's our acronym, doesn't really do, you know, the work. You're just telling stories about women. And Mm -hmm. it always kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I, I believe that stories are what actually make the change happen. You know, it's what changes people's minds about what women can do. Or erases that thing that says, oh, women shouldn't be doing this thing. Well, here, let me show you a woman who's doing it. That's how I change your mind about what's possible, what's what's out there, what's doable. And so not only do these stories say to like the broader population, okay, I'm changing the narrative, I'm rewriting the book on women, but it also makes it possible for the women in our community to come and see themselves and say, oh, well, if she can do it, I can. And I can't tell you the number of, you know, emails or social media or messages that we get of women saying, thank you for showing this woman who I can relate to, because now I believe in myself more. And my goal with Women of Influence, you know, from the beginning, when when we took over, one of the first things I said is I, I really want to make sure that any woman can come to this website and or our social channels or, you know, somewhere and and say, I see myself somewhere here. I can relate to this person. I'm a part of this community. And we've been doing a lot of work over the last six years to really make that make that happen. And that is that is really like you just hit the nail on the head. It's when we don't see our 
our narrative reflected in places we just feel like we don't belong. We feel like something's wrong. If anybody needed a reason to go look at Woy, Women of Influence, and we'll put the link in the show notes, that is it right there. And you recently posted on LinkedIn about Myrna Valero, um, Lululemon's newest ambassador. And it was so interesting because what she's doing is breaking ceilings. But also what was really interesting is how it related to something that happened to you, right? Yeah. So that story, so she's a new ambassador for Lululemon. She has been for a long time an advocate in the running community to try and make it more inclusive. And when I first saw the story of, it's about how she's now working for Lululemon or doing an ambassador job for Lululemon. And they have done a lot of work in the last few years to try and make their sizing more inclusive going up to, you know, they used to sort of stop at like a 12, I think, or maybe even smaller. And it was and not, it was not friendly. That's it was not sure. friendly. I've had a lot of traumatic Lululemon dressing room experiences <laughs> in my day. And. <laughs> And for me, and, and I'm someone who, like, my, my shape and size has fluctuated a lot in my life. All of um, us, girl, especially yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, well, I'm not, I mean, there's certainly, I don't sort of identify myself as like a body positivity advocate. I, I talk about all of these issues and I try and bring my own personal lens. But I had an experience where when I was running my first ultra marathon, which is a, a race longer than a marathon, crazy idea. My friend over one holiday was like, Oh, Hey, you want to go do this race? And I'm, as you know, I'm the kind of person who just says yes. And, yeah! then figures it out. and I had gone, I was in Mexico in a, in a small Canyon in Mexico. And so I had to fly down. And when I said to the customs agent, because they asked, you know, what's your purpose of this flight? And I said, Oh, I'm going to run an ultra marathon. And he looked at me and just said, you don't look like a runner. And a-hole. Yeah. And, and it's just one, like I'm a never, no matter what, just never comment on a person's body. That's like the goal. Like, hello, never. especially no guys. Way. Guys should know this shit already. Like, we yeah. don't want your comments. We look in the mirror every day. We know what we look like. And then who are you to say what a runner looks like? Yeah. And it's, and I knew instantly that he meant because you know you picture you know marathon runners and you think of these sort of like twiggy people who don't have a lot to like carry down a for and I certainly did not look like that but I knew that already and I didn't need someone to say to me like you don't belong here essentially it's funny because even as like my weight has gone up and down and even as I've completed several marathons and ultra marathons that comment as soon as I saw that lululemon picture that story brought this memory like Mm. right to the forefront of my brain because you never let go and i could probably tell you i can sit back and think of every instance where someone well one time has commented on my weight and made me feel bad about who i am for for the body shape and size i happen to be living in at that time so it was really and i think I think that sharing that personal story and sharing Mirna's story kind of changed the post a bit from just a, you know, look at the new ambassador yeah, and look yeah, what Lulu Lemon's doing. Yeah. Here, here are the statistics on how many women are over a size 14. Like it's not like, yeah, these things are good to know, but personal stories are what makes the difference. And yeah. I'm, I'm happy to, I mean, I, I am an open book in my own personal life. I share, <laughs> maybe overshare, but I share everything about me. Cause I feel like I, 
most of my challenges, I'm sort of, I'm, or let me be just at a point in my life where I'm okay sharing these stories without re-traumatizing myself, or at least not to a degree where I have to go hide mm. in a cave, <laughs> or certainly to a degree where me being honest about my own struggles, I know that it helps other women who are going through the same thing, because I've seen that for myself. You know, when I've had challenges, I go seek out the stories of other women who have experienced the same thing. Mm-hmm. So as a storyteller, you know, I see it as, you know, my not a duty, but like something that I feel I feel obligated to do. I want to share my story because I think it can help. And I you know ultimately, if I can help, I'm going to help. Yeah. And I feel like you did put a completely like for me, I knew Myrna's story, you know, woman of color, you know, not your typical size running for Lululemon doing these things. And I was already like, that is not what I picture as a marathon runner either. That's my conditioning. I'm like, I always think I can't run a marathon, Monique. There's no way. Look at like, you're not built like that. You have to go, you know, you basically have to go get in crazy amount of shape in order to go get in shape for people to look at you. Right. So when you had also shared your story, it just rang true that I'm like, all of us are dealing with different triggers and people have said things at different times and they don't leave us. They stay and you're healed enough from certain things to be able to share. And I'm always like, you know, if you're not healed from something, it's probably not in your best interest to share it because people will have their two five cents about it. But if you are, I think that I gravitate to, to you and your story so much because I also feel an obligation around the, the sharing, right? And I'm an oversharer and you're an oversharer. And that's what brings in, I feel like just an amazing community of people around you, your squad that just is like, I saw it in you. I know now what's possible. And on our last call, you shared something that totally, again, shifted who you are in my mind, right? And if you're open, I'd love to talk about that a little bit because I'm a breast cancer, you know, survivor. And what I didn't realize is breast cancer is a big has a big impact in your life and that of your families. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm very happy to share this story. I one day I will write a post so I can sort of get as many women as possible to hear this story. So my my mother is a three-time cancer survivor. The first time she had breast cancer, I was 18, going into university, didn't know how to deal with it. And then later in life, it came back as in other parts of her body. Each time she had it, the diagnosis got worse. It went from, you know, you got a 30% chance to you got a 10% chance to start figuring out your end of life planning. But my mother, so she's just not the kind of person that's going to let that happen. So every single time she's beat it, come through the other side. But that obviously has had an impact. And in my brain, I've always thought, okay, no, this is, you know, maybe there's something genetic here, but I didn't really know much about it. And then by some random, not random fluke, but we through Women of Influence, we were doing an article in partnership with Women's College Hospital. And the article was about this breast cancer gene, BRCA, which I think I'd like maybe heard about, but never really registered. And interviewing the doctor who was working on a study to get women tested for this breast cancer gene, I didn't, I don't know how, but I didn't qualify under the Ontario sort of rule to get the testing for free. I think by because of the age. There's an age was. thing. Yeah, yeah if you it's over thirty or, over thirty five. Yeah. They don't. Yeah, such they, a, it they, is such BS. Yeah. So, but I thought, you know, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna just check this out, and why not? And so I I 
ordered the test, you know, spit in my tube, sent it out, didn't really think about it. And then and then came back positive with with the BRCA gene and then got my sister to do it. She came back positive. My mother eventually did it and she came back positive. So it was, you know, to have to sit in a room and have someone tell you, okay, you've got like 70 to 80 percent chance that you're going to get breast cancer. And to hear that when I was nearing the age when my mother got it, but I started with my my family later in life. So I had two small toddlers. And so, you know, like this, like it just all runs through your head about where is this all going to go? I am so thankful to Women's College Hospital because they have done a great job of sort of bringing you into the fold, telling you all about what your options are, being very good at saying, you know, these are your choices. We'll just inform you of what each choice means. And ultimately, I chose to have my tubes removed and a double mastectomy, which I did just in January of this year. And so, yeah, so, but it's funny because sometimes I forget that like right now, these are not, (laughs) these are not mine. (laughs) They're the the new model. I joke with my, the plastic surgeon because I, after when you're 42 and you breastfed two kids for three years straight, you're not winning prizes with them anyways. <laughs> so, like, so you're like, yeah, you know, I'm yeah. ready for the new model. Yeah it's, yeah, it's kind of nice to have an upgrade. But like the biggest thing is that they're not trying to kill me anymore. Mm-hmm. And that to me is an important story to tell. When I did it, I actually kept a diary of like every day of like all the products that I use to try and like, you know, you know, so mainly one, so I could send it to my sister because she will be going through the same experience in a few years. But I would, you know, DM me, I'll send it to anybody who who wants it. I sometimes maybe think I don't give it enough credit about how big of a surgery or how much of a... Yeah, I'm already... Was. I even see it just in your face. Like, it's like, yeah, I did this thing. And yeah. I remember <laughs> when you told me a few weeks ago, I was like, What? What are you talking? That's a huge thing. And I think because I know I have friends who've had mastectomies and reconstruction and, you know, having to go through, do I get to keep my breast? Don't I get to keep it? And all of these things. It's a big deal. So I remember, I'm going to tell you again, this is a big deal. It's a story that needs to be shared because here's what you may not realize is that is all the things that's happening with you. And meanwhile, you are out here creating this amazing platform for women to tell their story and not enough people know the person behind it who has this amazing story. And it just shows other women that outwardly we could be doing something and we're busy in the something, but we're also dealing with life. Yeah. And having to show up. The it's the duck with the feet under the you know water. So yes, that's exactly that. what it is. It's so, I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah. I'm like, yes, you're calm and you're streaming along, and people see you doing, and your feet are moving a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, so and it's it, a big deal, and you need yeah. to acknowledge it and celebrate. It's, it's hard as a as a small business, as an entrepreneur, and I'm sure there are many women who can a, a, an entrepreneur and a mother to small kids and and all Hello. that you know. You get very good at not thinking about yourself too mm. much in that capacity. And so I think I, I took one week where I didn't check my email almost the whole, I went almost a whole week without checking my email. And, and at two weeks I was coming back and it was funny because I had some of our partners that we work with, we'll get on a meeting and they'll say, Oh, did you have a good vacation? And you go, Oh, right. Funny yeah. story. <laughs> my 
it. I right. had my boobs replaced um, because I have this cancer gene that might kill me. And, right. You know, it's not a vacation. Yeah, not a vacation. And for me, I know, and, and I, I do recognize it and I'm starting to see it more and more that, yeah, as I've spent, you know, it's the cobbler who, you know, doesn't do their own shoes. I've spent the last mm. six years focusing on sharing the stories of other women because that's what I've I've always you know I I would rather be that like wizard behind the curtain that's my personality is the that kind of person and and I do see that my own story can can also help change so can also help change yeah a hundred percent so what advice would you give women who may be the wizard behind the curtain scared to come out to tell their story yet you know the impact and what can happen when they do so what would you say to that woman well i think that what stops most women i mean not me because i sort of i identify myself as a storyteller but what i think stops a lot of women is that they think to themselves why does my story why me what what does it matter to tell my story or how do i do this i don't know how to do this and there's two things i would say to that everyone's story has value. Like even if you only touch the life, even if there's one person who reads about it and identifies with it and does something different because of it, it has value. It makes difference. It makes a change. And I constantly remind people that your story has probably already impacted someone without you even knowing it. Like you don't Mm. even just existing in the world, doing what you're doing. You've probably made a difference in someone's life. In terms of how to do it, that block of like, I don't know how to tell my story, but people forget that, you know, you tell stories all the time. Like we're, we humans are natural storytellers. That's how we receive information. That's how we give information. We're telling stories all of the time. And you don't need to tell your story in this polished, perfect package. You don't need the greatest graphics. You don't need to be a copywriter. You don't need to do that. You just need to be able to talk to another human being or talk to, if you're too scared to talk to another being, talk to a screen, write it down somewhere. People will find the nuggets of truth no matter what in there. Like just be yourself. As long as you're being authentic. Yeah, right. be authentic and be yourself. And, you know, that authenticity... I think that one of the things and, and this, you know, tying it back to the stories we tell at Women of Influence, and I was talking about sort of a good way to do it and a bad way to do it. The good way to tell a story is telling it authentically. We do a disservice when we write stories about women that put them on a pedestal mm-hmm. and that make it sound like nothing ever went wrong in their life. Oh my gosh, I hate that. It's my biggest pet peeve. I remember reading an article once about like a day in the life of this entrepreneur who had a small toddler. And like, literally it was like, I wake up at 5am and make my own kombucha. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't (laughs) do that. You don't do that every day. You you pick peanut butter out of somebody's hair. Like you do, this is what your life is. And it's, they're everybody in, you know, in varying degrees and different ways has struggled, has had challenges and has triumphs. And when we share the whole authentic truth about ourselves, that's what makes a difference. Not pretending like 
women are perfection and putting them on a pedestal. It's when we, we got to, we always say, I always say shine a spotlight, don't build a pedestal because Mm. shine a spotlight says we are highlighting the stories, the authentic, real stories of women, not pretending like this woman is Wonder Woman. And therefore, anyone who's not a superhero reading it goes, oh, well, she did it, but I can't do it. Stories should make you believe that you can do it too. And that's mm. that's the kind of stories I want to tell. Oh my God. I love that. Shining the spotlight, not building a pedestal. So perfect. And I think about even just coming on to our interview today, I'm literally rushing, dropped the water bottle, (laughs) water still pouring over in that corner over there. But I'm like, I got to be here. got to be on time. You know, like so many things go wrong. You trip running up the stairs and and then you show up. And I love like people, I love that you shared people want to know the truth because we do want to be able to feel we can do it too. And nobody wants just the glossy picture. We don't want to know that you didn't have to go through anything to get there and you just did it through hard work and hustle. Bullshit, right? So I'm glad you're calling bullshit on all of that. We could, we, I mean, we could talk forever, but I would love it if, I mean, you've got tons going on and two toddlers and you're picking peanut butter out of hair. <laughs> yeah. But is there anything right now? Cause I'm looking, and this is a selfish question, but like, is there anything that you're turning to right now for inspiration? Or is there podcasts or books or even people you're following where you're like, oh my God, I look at this all the time, every day. It's so juicy. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I am in like a constant stream of like every day. That's kind of how my day starts is I get newsletter. Like, you know, my, I start my day with my email and I get the bullet, which is an email newsletter in the morning. And I start my day with reading articles about sort of what's going on in the world. And then I quickly switch into like finding, I, check there's a sort of a number of, sort of websites that have stories about women that I go looking through you know it's funny I don't have a ton of time to <laughs> right like, I know yeah, to sit and be like I haven't it's been I've been trying to think of like what was the last book that I read what was the last podcast I listened to <laughs> I stayed up till 2 a.m programming an article so I didn't really get a lot of that stuff in so but all the all the stuff you're doing is related to work <laughs> yeah everything basically but like the brilliant thing about it is that like if you look at you know the stories we share on our on all of our women of influence social channels like that's mm. what I'm reading that's Oh, nice. And so it's from a bunch of, and you have to, I mean, people don't realize how little women appear in the news. Like it's not, Mm. if you were to take like the landscape, we're, you know, less than a quarter of news stories. So we're finding these stories about women and sharing them. And so I'm part of that team that goes finding those stories. So like, that's the media that I consume. So I definitely oh, I love live in a bubble. I definitely live in a bubble. But if you want to know what I'm reading, yeah, check out our war channels because it's basically it's like, oh, this article is great. And then it will show up on Twitter. Oh, well, that's <laughs> perfect. You've done it. Basically, you've curated it for us. Yeah. And it's especially as someone who, as I said, has very little time. People forget the the need for having this sort of curated look. And not that it's all shiny and glossy. I mean, we're we do a lot of inspiration. I always believe it's important to have joy. You know, you can't mm. just I don't want to just spend my days throwing a flurry of depressing stats about the state of women's equality. And no, I, could, I can't like, I can it. give you a tornado of what's going on especially over the last year. But there is room for joy and there is room for celebration. So I feel like when we're doing that curating, it's about inspiring joy, celebration, 
while also acknowledging and informing people on what's going on. Because it's not all the pretty picture. So you got to have a little bit of both. You have to understand what's going on. And we do that usually. We try and find women sharing their story or women experts to tell the story about what's going on in the world. But then it's also just like, look at this amazing woman doing this amazing thing. Oh, P.S. You can do that too. That's what I read. Beautifully, beautifully said. So tell everybody, okay, so where can we find you? Where can we connect with you? Where can we connect with Women of Influence? Let everybody know. Okay, so womenofinfluence.ca, the website will have links to all of our social channels, but everything is at WOI Global on every platform. Personally, I'm at, oh God, I should know this, because <laughs> I am at social media, <laughs> at Steph Varelli. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, we will put it, put it in the, the show notes. notes where I to find Stefania. But I'm a terrible tweeter. I am on Instagram, which I enjoy much more. And on LinkedIn, I'm probably, I mean, that's my, that's my that's, channel. That's so really your me, jam. Find, yeah, find me on LinkedIn um, where I can do some real storytelling. Perfect. And I know you guys are all about highlighting stories and letting us write articles. Monique's in the middle of writing her own article for Women yeah. of Influence. <laughs> so if you guys who are listening want to be putting your story out there in the world, definitely connect with Stefania and Women of influence online so you can write an article so other tons and thousands of women can go listen to your story read your story and connect with you absolutely thank you so much to for being here this was awesome yeah i had so much fun thank you If you enjoy this episode, then make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss the juice every single week. And if you thought this episode was super juicy, it would mean the world if you gave it a five-star rating and left a review over on iTunes so I could keep bringing the juice to more people who need it. And if you want to win some juicy swag, I want you to take a screenshot of this episode from wherever you're listening, then post it to your stories and tag me over on Instagram at Monique Bryan underscore co. That's Brian with a Y and you will automatically be entered to win. Until next time, my lovelies, keep building that brand over a business and raising your juicy CEO status.